Hey, I'm Daniel, and welcome to the Milwaukee Chi Alpha Podcast. What you're about to listen to is our sermon series called Sent. We're studying the book of Acts, the ordinary people who had an extraordinary story. In this episode, you're going to hear from one of two pastors and directors of Milwaukee Chi Alpha, Catherine Winkleman. She'll preach on Acts 1. Jesus came, died, rose, and ascended into heaven. And yet our world is still broken and in need of restoration. What comes next? And what is our part in this messy world?
and creates a political kingdom. They thought the Messiah was going to come, establish Israel, take back rule from the Romans, and this was going to be a political kingdom of Israel. So we see here, this is what this is referring to. The people, the disciples were still asking about the kingdom of Israel. I think it's actually in, I'm not sure, it's one of those verses. So still asking about the kingdom of Israel. But instead, we see that Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God. And then again in verse 11 and 12, we see that Jesus says, he's, or the men come and they say that Jesus is going to come back again. And this is where, that, this is what the disciples are going to anticipate. Jesus' second coming instead of a political uprising. And we're left with this clear in between. Jesus has left, he's ascended into heaven, and the disciples are now waiting for him to return. This is where they are, in this in-between time. And this is where we find ourselves also, because he has not come back a second time. And maybe you don't find yourself waiting for him to come back. Maybe you've never even thought about him coming back or what that will look like. But my guess is to some extent you feel this tension. Because Jesus came, we have hope, we celebrate Easter every year, he rose from the dead, we celebrate that, we celebrate what he has done. And at the same time, we look around and our world is lacking. It's this idea of the kingdom of God, it's here but not yet. It has started, but is not fully completed. And this is what we're looking at here. So we're talking about the restoration. The disciples asked when the kingdom of Israel will be restored. And Jesus says to look for the kingdom of God. This word restoration. Wrong things made right. Wrong things in our world made right. That's what we're looking forward to when Jesus comes again. And I think if you look around our world... You don't have to look far to realize that there's things in our world that we're not happy with. We feel this tension of things are lacking, things aren't right. Sex trafficking is huge. Assaults happen. We have to, we look out for that. We know that that's a reality around us, even on college campuses. Racism. We live in one of the most segregated cities in our nation. Broken families. Broken hurt families. Broken relationships. Broken friendships. How many homeless people there are in our city, let alone the world? This is, this is like, we're only talking about like right here. Even the fact that if we all sat down and tried to figure out how to fix the world's problems, we would all disagree on what problems there are or what needed to be fixed. There's something missing, and we wait and we long for Jesus to restore that. And as we've established what that looks like, if we ask everyone in this room, we'd get almost as many different answers as we would people in the room, which can be discouraging. But I, that, to me, makes this passage all the more relatable, because remember, the disciples also didn't know what it was going to look like. They still thought the kingdom of Israel. They still thought Jesus was going to come and establish the physical kingdom of Israel. They don't know what restoration was going to look like. And neither do we. But Jesus knows. Jesus knows. Think about that for a moment. All the brokenness in the world, Jesus knows what is needed. Maybe 
Maybe you think you know how to fix the issues in our world. Maybe you feel so overwhelmed and lost you don't know how to deal with all the issues in our world. But Jesus knows. And we get to be part of that restoration before he comes back. And this is where we find ourselves with the disciples in the in-between, anticipating a restoration, things made right, anticipating a restoration that we don't fully understand. So what do we do? That's the question, what do we do? And that's a, that's a large question. We're just going to scratch the surface tonight. But we see that Jesus answers when the disciples ask, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? In verse 7, he says to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And if you can bring up the slide with just that one verse on it, that would be great. This here... This line is essentially, if you could take the book of Acts and sum it up into one sentence, this would be it. This is it right here, because we see the book of Acts is story after story after story of the Holy Spirit empowering people over and over and over again. And I'm so excited to look at these stories, because these stories are stories of ordinary people doing extraordinary things, and it's incredible. But we see, too, in chapters 2 through 7, we see the gospel going out into all of Jerusalem. We see the gospel going to Jerusalem. And then chapters 8 through 12, we see the gospel going out into Judea and Samaria, which is also up there. Following the death of Stephen. In chapters 13 through 28, we see the gospel going out to the ends of the earth. This is the plot line of the book of Acts. So spoiler, this is what's coming. And how thankful we should be that this includes to the ends of the earth. Because do you realize that's us? That's us. The gospel started a really, really long way away from here with people who were not thinking about us at all. But because somebody kept taking it further, because somebody kept saying, this isn't enough, this isn't enough, we need to take it further to the ends of the earth, to the ends of the earth. Because of that, we have had the chance to hear the gospel and know Jesus. And maybe you don't know Jesus. Maybe you're a little skeptical of Jesus. Maybe Christianity faith all seems a little unsure to you. That's okay. I'm glad you're here. I'm, you can sit back and listen to what we believe. Um, but even you were able to do that because somebody kept bringing the gospel further and further. But the work isn't done. We're still waiting for the full restoration of God's kingdom. But it's not an idle wait. And Jeff's going to talk more about that next week, what the waiting is going to look like. But it still leaves this question that we keep coming back to, what does this look like? And there's a lot we can address here, but there's three clear things I want to bring out of this, this command here, this, this statement. Commentaries, as I was looking into this, commentators, uh, theologians, brought out three things that parallel very well what we talked about a lot in Chi Alpha. The first is the need to spread the gospel in action and in word. Oh, no, sorry, if you can go back to that verse. Be my witnesses, spread the gospel. And the second is the importance of diverse communities, which we see as it talks about Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And the third is the 
absolute importance of being dependent and guided by the Holy Spirit, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And we're going to parallel these tonight to the three anchors. If you've been around here for a while, you've heard of the three anchors. If not, hey, you get to hear about them tonight. They're on the, our welcome screen. You see them there. This is, this is our way. This is how we talk about our calling, our way of fulfilling God's command to us. So they're real devotion, real community, and real responsibility. The first we're going to look at is real devotion, which in this verse we see, in verse 8 we see, as it says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. As this verse sums up the book of Acts, nothing that happens in this book in the Bible is without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, without the empowerment of Jesus, without us being sent. And we talk about real devotion as this idea of choosing Jesus. Jeff, last week, talked about this picture of a tree, so I'm just going to talk about this again. If you remember, he described a beautiful tree, a beautiful fruit tree. And he said, if you are really hungry and you walk up to this tree, you love it for what it can give you. You love it because it can feed you and satisfy you. You love it for what you can take from it. But if you're already full, if you had a great meal, let's say you just had brunch at Cambridge Cottage, and you come across this tree, and it's got this beautiful fruit on it, you're going to love it for the beauty of what it is. And in Jeff's analogy, he said, you're already satisfied, so you might come, you might trim a couple branches, you might weed out around the tree. This idea of love as hunger, love as what I can get, and love as serving what I can give. And this, the only reason we can love to serve is because that's what Christ did for us. That's why we choose Jesus. Because we are that fruit tree, and he comes up and doesn't say, what can I take from you? He comes up and says, wow, I want to make this better. He comes up and he pulls the weeds. And maybe you feel like a luscious fruit tree, or maybe you feel like a dying fruit tree. Maybe you don't feel like a fruit tree. Maybe you feel like you're supposed to be a fruit tree, and you're who, who knows what else. But whatever, wherever you see yourself in this, Jesus walks up to you, sees your beauty, and loves you for it, and wants to serve you in it. What a beautiful so our response is to choose Jesus. Our response is to spend time with him, to choose to give of our time, to choose to let him be our foundation, the foundation we build everything off of. We choose to let him empower us, because he doesn't force himself on us. But if we let him, he wants to move in our daily lives. We're going to skip ahead briefly to Acts chapter 4, verse 13. So a bit of background here. Uh, Paul and, or sorry, not Paul, Peter and John are being arrested and tried, and they are giving an account for their faith, and they give this beautiful account of the gospel, and at the end, the Sanhedrin looks at him, them, and this is what they say. Verse 13. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Ordinary, unschooled men and women. They were men, but you know. Who had been with Jesus. This is 
what we want, what a beautiful idea this is. That it's not our own qualifications, it's the fact that we've been with Jesus that shines through. That because of that, we're able to make an impact. Choosing Jesus. The second element we want to pull out of this passage, real responsibility. Real responsibility. The idea of spreading, as commentator said, spreading the word in action or in deed. Or as Acts 1-8 talks about, you will be my witnesses. So let's be honest for a second. I'm going to guess that most of you, you hear this term witnesses and you kind of like cringe. Because maybe you think about the people standing on the corner who like give pictures and ask questions that are uncomfortable and you don't know what to say. Or you think about those uncomfortable conversations we've had where like maybe people were good intention, but they were just a little bit too forceful and it's uncomfortable. We don't like this term witnessing. We like, don't like it at all. The only term worse than witnessing is evangelizing. But what does this actually mean? Because you know, this was written prior to all of our negative attachments to this word. This was not the intent. To witness something is to attest to it. Literally, a person who sees an event take place. That's what like a witness is. At its core, somebody who has seen an event take place and can talk about said events. So for the disciples, they had seen Jesus. They saw him rose from the grave. So they went and they told people. And so for us, what, is it, what has he done in our life? What have we witnessed him do? And this connects back to real devotion, because if we haven't chose Jesus, if he hasn't done anything in our life, well, of course we don't have anything to talk about. We talk about it this way. Love finds a need and needs it. Because commentators are very specific in their word. They say in action and in deed. Spreading the word in action and in deed. Because it's not just going and telling people about Jesus. It's not stalking strangers and saying, do you know Jesus? Are you going to heaven? Like, that's, that's not fun. That's uncomfortable. Love finds and needs and needs it. Sometimes it means praying for someone. Sometimes it means sharing a story of what God's done in your life. Sometimes it means giving someone a ride to the store. Sometimes it means helping with homework or sharing your lunch. Essentially, being a witness of Christ is being Jesus to someone else. And this is all centered on relationship. This is all centered on relationship. Love finds me and meets it. Because Jesus loved people. He loved people that nobody else loved. How can we love people? Keep this idea in mind, because we're going to circle back to this shortly. But our third one is real community. Normally this is our second one today, it's our third one. Real community. This idea of diverse community, which developed as the gospel spread out, because the gospel started with one people group, and God said, we're going to move this out. And they said, no, 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 no. And God said, yes, 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 yes. And eventually, you know, go back and forth. There's a vision, there's a dream, and the gospel spreads out. And as that happens, even on the day of Pentecost, when the gospel first starts to spread, we see diversity. We see tons of diversity. And of course, the book of Acts is talking about cross-culturally, which is something we value so much. We love cross-cultural diversity. We love all of that. 
But part of a diverse community and part of any community is being able to appreciate others' strengths and weaknesses. Being able to appreciate others' strengths and weaknesses. And this isn't exclusive to cross-cultural work. This is something we need now. This is something we need in our community, in any community. The realization that we cannot do this on our own. The realization that it is so beautiful that the person sitting next to you is different than you. That they have different strengths. That they have different experiences. That they see different problems with the world that you don't see. There's beauty in diversity. And in community, as we're working to depend on the Holy Spirit and spread the gospel, we need each other and each other's strengths. We like to talk about this idea, Jesus transforms in daily community. Jesus transforms. He transforms here. He transforms in small group. He transforms at hangouts. He transforms at heights. He transforms at brunch. He transforms at flower tree. He transforms in coffee shops. In classes, Jesus transforms in daily community. And we cannot forget how much we need each other. We're going to look at Acts chapter 2 really quickly. This is right after the day of Pentecost. This is the first snapshot we see of the church. And read this with me because this is a beautiful picture. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. What a beautiful picture of the church this is. They lived their lives together centered on Jesus. You've probably, if you've seen any of our stuff, you've probably like seen that written down. They lived their lives together centered on Jesus. They cared for each other. They sold property when somebody had a need. They ate together. They worshiped together. They lived life together. And Jesus flew and flowed out of them. We talk about this idea that you talk about what you love and you talk about what works. Jesus transformed them and it showed up in their community. We also see, so circling back to real responsibility, love finds a need and meets it. We see that here too. This is a beautiful picture. Wonders and signs happen. They met together, they broke bread in their homes, they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God. What a beautiful picture this is. And this is tangible for us as we live our, live our lives, as we go to classes, as we go to work, as we interact with people, as we interact with each other. How can we be Jesus to those around us? How can we love the people around us? How can we help people Set closer to Jesus. Um, if you just want to come back up, we're going to do response time in just a minute. Um, you're going to see the three anchors. Um, if you want to put the three anchors up on the screen for me, thank you. You're going to see these throughout our series. We talk about Acts. We will keep coming back to this. 
real devotion, real community, real responsibility. But we really believe when we bring all three of these together, when we spend time with Jesus, when we live in community together, and when we love the world around us, that God will transform. And that's what he wants to do. He wants to transform us, and he wants to transform the world around us. And the cool thing is, he wants us to be part of that. Will we let him? Will we let him transform us? Will we let the people around us into that process so he can use them to transform us? Will we let him use us to care for the people around us? We started this talking about restoration. Jesus making the wrong things right. Jesus wants to restore each and every one of us. Maybe there's an area in your life that is hard or messy or you don't really want to think about or you kind of hate that I'm bringing this up right now. He wants to step into that. He wants to step into that. So I'm going to ask everyone to just close your eyes for a minute. Not that closing your eyes is anything special. But sometimes it just helps. This is between us and God. This is between you and God. And I have two questions I want to ask tonight. Do you want God to transform you? Do you want God to transform you? And if your question, your answer is yes, would you raise your hand so I can pray for you as well? Thank you. Thank you. Yes, thank you. He loves, he loves that. He loves that you are saying yes to him and he is saying yes back. My second question. Maybe you're here. Maybe this is new. Maybe you've heard this a gazillion times, but it has hit home this time. Maybe Jesus is not a part of your life, but you want it to be. Maybe you want to welcome him into your life for the first time tonight. If that is you, he is giving a huge, big yes. If that is you, would you raise your hands so
That's all you have to say. Jesus, come. Come into my life. Come be the Lord of my life. Meet those people tonight. God, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you that the work you are starting tonight will continue. May you love none of us behind, that you love each and every one of us. Help us to believe in you. Thanks for listening. Follow us on Instagram at MilwaukeeXA to keep up to date on our events and services. Or stop by Bolton Hall Wednesday nights at 8 p.m. in room B40.